Yeah, my name is CJ Finley, and I'm based here in Austin, Texas. I was born on the East Coast, though, uh, kind of moved around from Philly to New Jersey to New York, right outside New York, to Nashville, to Houston, to now here in Austin, Texas. And I would say Austin, Texas has my heart uh, for two reasons, the people and the weather. I get to have my my shirt off most of the year, um, wear shorts. So I really enjoy that. And it's just been a phenomenal experience so far. But a little bit about what my day-to-day life looks like, I'm really big into helping other people build their brands and their businesses and even their personal life and their health. Uh, So because I love that, that's kind of the nature of the path that I've walked down where I partner with businesses in the health and wellness and also the education space uh, to help them scale their brands. A couple of them are How Do You Health, MSW Lounge here out in Austin, Texas, uh, WIT, which is a teenage entrepreneurship program uh, that my friend Sarah Holmholm Sarah Hernholm started. Um, And then my buddy, uh, Noah Heisman, him and I are starting a little like fun where we're going to invest in micro invest in some of the up and coming entrepreneurs we see here in Austin, Texas and businesses. Uh, Besides that, I'm really trying to put more into my podcast these days. That's kind of like the career path that I really want to go down ultimately, because when I ask myself, what do I want to see for myself in my life, it's impacting as many people as possible um, with something that I'm very passionate about, which is knowledge and education and free education and podcasts do that. So if I bring guests, more guests that I'm able to bring on and have deep conversations with, whoever listens to that hits my target of like helping people every single day. Um, And as you know, as an entrepreneur, you can't I only have so many hours in a day, so I can only work with so many people one-on-one or so many businesses one-on-one, but with the podcast, people can be listening to it while I'm sleeping. They can be listening to it while I'm working out. They can be listening to it while I'm on vacation with my family. So it's something that really has t- take, taken my my heart and and my, basically, I feel alive every time I'm doing this. So again, just thank you for having me, um, and I'm looking forward to this entire conversation. Anytime. Um Let's talk about the transition. I was kind of talking about it before I hit record. I think it's always interesting to me, at least, when people speak about having the realization that they're not necessarily living life um, to the fullest, in a sense, or they're not doing as many things as they could be doing. Um, If you want to speak on that transition for yourself and the realization, um, you know, how do you think that came about for you? Yeah, so just for... The listeners for some context. I actually went to school for engineering. My father was an engineer. And when I was in high school, I had really high math and science grades, English um, and uh, history were not as great, but that taught me that whatever I was passionate about, I was going to do well in. And that's where math thinking critically and then science, just learning new things about the world, um, which is still true to this day. I am very passionate about those two two subjects. However, unfortunately, we get put in the system that doesn't really ask you, why are you here on this earth? Like, what do you love to do the most? Nobody asks you that when you're a teenager. They just kind of shuffle you along and point you in a direction based on what they think would be the best for you. And for me, I was always a great athlete. I loved going to the gym. I loved working out. I loved the human body and human anatomy. And I also loved business and I didn't even realize it. I was hustling on the side, mowing lawn, shoveling snow, babysitting, doing these things a little bit differently than my friends who had had jobs. 
So it's a long-winded story, but this will be helpful for anybody that's in a transition phase where ultimately I was myself up until probably college. Then I kind of got lost a little bit because I'm taking these engineering courses. I don't know if that's the right path for me. Uh, I'm also playing collegiate soccer. That was real fun to me. And I'm trying all these different things, but you have the pressure of, oh my God, now I have loans. Now I have to get a job. Now I have to look like I am this person that's well put together when I'm really not. And I think that's what everybody is going through at that point. We're all just like, what the hell is going on? We don't know where we're going or why we're going there. And then ultimately you get put into the real world, as they say, which I don't believe that it should take that long to put us there, but you leave college and everyone just goes off to their jobs. And immediately I knew that something was wrong. So I got a pretty good job out of college, was making great money, meeting a lot of people, traveling, and it, my, my soul just was crushed. I felt like something was wrong and I didn't know what it was at the time. But now when I reflect back, it was, I saw that this was the next 40 years of my life. It like flashed right in front of my eyes. I could now connect better with my father who we had some rocky relationships growing up with him growing up but I connected better with him because I was like, wow, he sacrificed a lot of himself to put food on our table, doing something yeah. he didn't necessarily want to do every day. And he granted me the opportunity to take a step back and say, I have a lot of other options. I don't have to be here. I don't have to come to this desk every day. So for me, the transition started when I was at my corporate job and I was still working out and still doing my best to to figure out my health and what that meant to me. And people would ask me, Hey, do you want to train? Can you train me? Can you help me with my nutrition? I love what you're posting online. And at first I kind of put it to the side and I was like, I don't have enough time, quote unquote, as everybody says, but then I started doing research. How much money do people make in training? How do I do it on top of the job that I have? And what I realized was when I started, actually, I got my certification. I started training people and I would train them 6 a.m. until like 8 a.m. when I would go into my full-time job. And then I would train them after hours. And I realized I'm not a morning person. Like training people early in the morning was not what I had pictured for my life. But I liked those two hours more than I liked the eight hours when I was sitting at the desk job. Mm. I realized immediately that's a problem. And I started doing math just like I was doing like 40 hours a week or 50 hours a week. How does that add up over time? I'm basically killing myself mentally, physically, spiritually by doing this. It just makes no sense. Um, and then I'll, I'll end here. The ultimate transition for me happened when I started getting sick. It started making me sick to show up as somebody I wasn't. And that's where if anybody out there is listening, if you feel this pit in your gut every single day, that something is up and that you're not living the life the way that you want to live life, you have to change it because that pit eventually is going to turn into an illness, which will eventually will probably turn into a disease, which will lead you to death. And I didn't want to die. Um, and I didn't want to live a life that was just surviving, not thriving. And that's where Thrive On Life was born. Beautiful. Um, could you describe how you felt in, in, in more detail if you can? Because when you're 
doing everything that you're taught or you're, you're uh, expected to do rather, you, uh, you look forward to getting a job. Like that's the ultimate goal is to get a good job, be in a good environment where you can learn. And maybe we can touch on some of the things and, and the benefits for being in a, of, um, of being in a corporate environment and, and having a job. But if you could describe how you felt while you were working and when you kind of slowly started to realize that you enjoy training people after hours more. Yeah. So I loved how you touched on there that there might, there is a, there was a purpose to my corporate path. Like I, I don't believe that, that there's a right way for anybody. And let me make that very clear. I'm an entrepreneur, but you might not be, and that's okay. There's a, like, if I build a company and we have employees, like not everybody's going to be the entrepreneur. So I'm very aware that was a, that was something I had to come accustomed to. Cause I, once I quit, I was like, yeah, everybody should do this, but no, like that's completely false. Um, you need to do what's right for you. And I think that's really the question that I started asking myself. And I'm a huge question guy, huge self-awareness guy. What is right for you? Isn't right for even the person closest to you. So your mom and your dad or your brother and your sister, you might be completely different than them and that's okay. And unfortunately we live in a world today that doesn't really accept debate and other ideas and, it's going to try and force you and box you in. But I'm kind of proof that the more you stay authentic to yourself, the better that your life is going to be and you're going to attract who you are. So if I think back to that time, the transition when it happened was twofold. One was I had to figure out, and these are very practical, I had to figure out because this is a real life equation, you have to make money to survive. So I had to figure out how much money do I have to make to make sure that I can still at least pay my bills. Now, I think a lot of people, they go about it the other way. They jump into entrepreneurship or they jump corporate with this imaginary, I'm going to make millions of dollars and I'm going to be the face of something. And all these things that are what I would say, vanity metrics, as we would if we were building something, it's all vanity. You need to do it because when you wake up every day, it fulfills, it, it gets rid of that thing in the, in the gut and it fulfills your heart every single day. And it, it's exciting to wake up every single day. Now, the reality of that is you will not be able to get that feeling if you can't pay your bills. You're going to be in survival mode, which fortunately, because I had that corporate job, so anybody there has a corporate job, this is a perfect time to start something on the side and see if you really enjoy it and build your nest egg. Um, the second part of that is as soon as you do transition and finally have a good plan and a strategy in place to transition out, you can't revert back to scarcity mode. And that's what I see from a lot of other people. So for me, the transition that kind of decision that helped me the most when I transitioned, uh, once I quit my corporate job, I immediately spent $600 a month to join a startup hub where there was all types of people that were way better at what I wanted to do than I was. And I could learn from them. I could go to office hours. I could help them on the side with their projects just by saying, Hey, I'll, I'll help for free for this week. Mm. There were so many opportunities that I didn't even see because I was at the corporate job. And that's what people are blind to. Like there's so many opportunities out there we just don't see them because we're stuck in our own little worlds. And that's where I don't want anybody that's out there that's considering going down this path to 
a lot of them will get stuck just building their business alone. Like I am in my house right now and they won't venture out and realize if you want to learn something 9.9 out of 10 times, someone's already done it. So go find that person. So for that transition, the keys are really not going after vanity because it's going to be tough in the beginning, but then two, don't revert back to scarcity. The mindset you want to be abundant and you want to not like save all your money and do these things. You want to spend money and invest in a way that's going to grow your skills and, and ultimately get you to a place that you're confident in what you're actually doing. Because the last point here, I think is another thing we expect because we go through college, we're in the corporate world. We got the job. We expect that we're going to be great at things, but you got to look at it as you're back to being a baby that doesn't know how to walk. We don't expect babies to walk. Like that's impossible, right? Um, They come out of the womb and they roll in their belly. They crawl, then they fall. Then they learn how to stand up with a chair. Then they start walking. Entrepreneurship is the same way. And the transition is the same way. You have to be on your belly at first. And that scares a lot of people. Yeah. And you have to do more work than you would have to do if you had a job there's more certainty at a job obviously job security to a certain extent depending on what industry you're in um, and how competent you are but as an entrepreneur um, how did you mentally deal with the uncertainty or did you believe in yourself and your ability to figure things out based on the fact that you got through college got a job and were making money and that's such a tough that's such a great question but a tough one to answer because I think if you're somebody that's striving to improve every single day, you're, you always have this, like, ah, oh, this is scary. Like in your head, it, I'm addicted to the discomfort. So again, it's not, it's not the same for everybody. I get really bored really easily. That is also a problem because when you're building something, if you can't stick to the monotony and you can't master the monotonous, you're not really going to go up. You're just going to be building things. And if you're watching online, rather than you'll see my hands going across, you're just going to build all these things like one inch up at a time and it never gets anywhere. So it, it becomes almost more like you're in your head. Oh my God, I don't know what I'm doing because I can't grow anything. The moment that I realized who I was and what my skill was, my skill wasn't sitting down and focusing on the same thing each and every day. And that's when I kind of gave myself a lot more freedom. And once I did that, and by freedom, I mean, look at my life today. I have a podcast today. Before this, I was on a run. Um, I also help in the health and wellness space. I run events. So everything is attached. Um, Later after this, I'm going to watch a YouTube video, do my timestamps for one of the guests that's launching this week. Then I have a men's group. And then tomorrow it's a completely different day. I'm working in one of the businesses that I'm partnered with. Wednesday is the same thing. Then Thursday I record two podcasts. Friday I'm back to do some media for lunch and learn. The reason I'm telling you all this is as soon as I stop the habit of Monday through Friday has to look the same. I think that was inhibiting. I made it that way because the uncertainty scared me. So I tried to make things certain at first and realize that's not how you kind of grow as an entrepreneur. The way you grow as an entrepreneur is you increase your stress tolerance and you only get there 
by realizing that it's going to be different for everybody. The experience is different for everybody based on what do you want your life to look like? And that's what entrepreneurship provides to people. I get to build my life. I get to optimize to what I want to do when I want to do it, when I want to go to sleep, when I want to wake up, you don't have to do it a certain way. And as soon as I kind of reflected, I think it took about a year or two, the first year, the uncertainty was scary. So I would try to like, that was one reason I joined that startup hub. Okay. I'm just going to go to this hub Monday, almost Monday through Friday, just like I already was. Um, but today my life looks much different and it's all predicated and planned out based on what am I trying to, what are my goals? What are, what impact do I want to make? Not the noise, not what the noise is telling me to do. Have you always been, um, introspective enough and self-aware enough to know what you really want to do, what you're interested in, uh, detaching the ego in that sort of, I guess, self-auditing process, um, and, and realizing this is truly what makes me happy. If, if you want to kind of describe that process for yourself. I don't think anyone ever can say yes to this question. And if you are, there's somewhat of you is bullshitting because I mean, last night I'm talking to my wife running through all ideas and all the projects and, and asking her to kind of guide me in what is the most me, what makes the most sense for me at this very moment. And that's another thing I think that I learned over the entrepreneurial path versus the corporate path. We're so alone in school. Like you take the test by yourself when the real world is you working on projects as a team right? When you get in the corporate world, you're working as a team, but even still as a team, you don't want to share too much information with everybody because you want the promotion. But as an entrepreneur, I've learned that all my best friends help me in my business and I help them and we help each other grow and it's rising tides lift all ships. And the more I talk about my problems and the more I talk about how I'm feeling, the more answers that I get because I'm not reliant on me just to produce the answer. Other people can chime in. And this brings me back to the point of today's world where people, you can listen to other ideas and to debates. You don't have to agree with it, but you can take little bits and pieces of everyone. Like anybody can be your teacher and, and can educate you. The more I learned that in entrepreneurship and leaned into that, the better it got for me because every day I'm adding things to the fire and I, I don't know what the right way is. And, and you have to make a ton of decisions. And I pride myself on being pretty good at making decisions very quickly. But I think that, that happens because I'm also really good at sifting through and asking the right people, the right questions. Like even on here, I want to ask more questions than I do want to respond with answers. So the person if you're out there, and you think you need to have your path figured out, the question you need to ask yourself is go to three of your friends and say, what do you see my life becoming? What, what do you think I love? What, what do I do well? What, when I'm around you, what have we done that has made you feel like I care about that thing? And I'm really excited about that thing. Because your friends, I mean, if they're good friends, they're going to tell you the truth. Uh, I can't help you on that and that side of things. You, you need right. to have good friends and good family members who will notice. So my wife last night, we're talking about something and she's like, I realize you're really, you're really fulfilled by this one thing 
that you're questioning. And then that has me going in my head, okay, she notices I'm really fulfilled. What exactly about the thing does she notice that I'm fulfilled by? And then dialing into that rabbit hole. Um, but that's what I would, I would say you need to be asking yourself because you could be the best in the world, but there's always going to be uncertainty thrown at you. That's the one thing. The one thing that's guaranteed in life is besides life and death is change. True. Um, the reason I asked that is, well, first of all, I kind of meant it in the way of you thinking about yourself in third person and analyzing your strengths. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, you, you mentioned you don't do things for vanity. So I guess that sort of ego thing that I was specifically pointing towards um, gets factored out because you can have a sense of self and, and, and well, how do I say this? You can perceive yourself to be a certain way, but reality doesn't align with yeah. that perception. Um, and it's a hard realization for a lot of people to have, um, including myself. I had that realization. I used to think I was somebody and, um, you know, whatever I used to perceive myself as was not congruent with reality but moving forward i had to stop lying to myself about certain things and i was just curious to hear your process around that um you're right it's hard for us to answer that um truthfully or accurately or with um certainty but it's an active process in my opinion every day that. you have to remind yourself that reality is different from what i believe things can be now the fine line between wanting to be somebody and realizing you're not that person yet is what I wanted to talk about. Another, this is great. Um, it's funny because I wrote an email newsletter today. Like if you want to become the person, just be them today. It literally, I put that out this morning and we, we have never, we've never spoken before this. So that's, we're, we're on the same wavelength and I like it. The process for me has been books, podcasts, listening to books, um, blogs, meaning I will, I will read certain, certain things that are kind of outside of the scope that I think the average person would read. So a great instance is Martin Luther King. If you read his autobiography, one of the instances in the book that hit home the most with me was when his house was bombed with an infant in it. And he had to decide, do I move to a new house because my child is at in danger and my wife is in danger, or do I stay here and and keep standing up for my principles? And he chose to stay. In any given moment, I'm having a difficulty in life, like my email's not working or the Wi-Fi. Like that thought pops in my head from that book. Like this man had this decision and he made it, and I'm complaining about this little thing that reduces my ego. So reading has helped me really find tune my ego and keep it in check myself. And that's where once you keep your ego in check and you realize who you truly are. And again, that's a constant process, just like you're saying, it starts getting easier is, but you never get to, I'm the best because you can always be better. So it does get easier. The more you read, the more you listen, I do meditate. I work out a lot. Uh, I go for long distance runs and just clear my mind. Those are the, some of the other processes. But for me, I think reading has been reading and podcasting has been the number one thing that has reduced my ego because 
you just realize there's so many people in this world that have been through so much and you learn to appreciate your life rather than expect. And I think that's something that, again, going back to the education system, because I'm really big in education reform, we are teaching kids the wrong thing. Oh, you work hard, you get this grade. It's, it's great in one instance, but what if we took the grade away? I feel like the product would become better, just like art class. The product would be better if the kids didn't have the pressure to get the grade. So they do the art that they know the teacher will like to get the grade rather than the art they actually want to produce and world-changing art. That. Yeah. And that's where it's the ego stems. We give them dopamine with the grade and then we give them dopamine with the promotion. We give them dopamine with 401k. The more I've dived into entrepreneurship, the dopamine for me comes from conversations like these where I can't wait to like journal after this because you've given like, that was a great question. What is the process rather than what most people ask would just be, how do you get to point A to point B? But the process is never ending. It's always changing. I appreciate that. Um, if we could explore your concept a little more, I think that's really fascinating. Removing the reward, the immediate reward, um, within the given rule set that we're all presented. Um, you know, I think if you leave it abstract in a lot of categories, great things can happen. But within that reward cycle, you know, cause, cause you, you, you used to be in it and uh, I'm nearing my, I guess, um, I'm gonna be answering it. So when I think about that, I, I, I don't get excited about it cause I understand if I do what's expected of me and I do it at a high level, I get rewarded and I get rewarded more than other people. Um, and I want to reference outliers. I've been reading mm. that book recently and it talks about that reward system in, in, in kind of a different way um, where a reward system and also entitlement, like teaching entitlement in a way, kind of teaching kids to understand that they can stand up to authority in the right way. They can demand um, you know, answers for questions that come naturally to them as opposed to just conforming and taking a subservient position and, ac and accepting whatever's thrown at them. And I think the way it's described in the book, I think that, um, that teaching contributes to success and contributes to those particular kids going out and asking and getting the best for themselves versus kids that were never taught that who just accept whatever's thrown at them. So I'm not an expert. I'm not, I, I didn't even do that explanation justice. But I think if we teach kids or anybody the right way to demand more for themselves outside of that box, mm. I think we could reach a, a great place as, as, as a civilization. Um, because right now we're just producing in the context of capitalism, essentially, right? It's just, let's just keep the money coming in. That's, that's all what, everybody cares about. What I love how, what you just said is you're talking about the good side of the ego. So we were talking about the kind of like the bad shadow side of the ego. And a lot of people don't realize when you're talking about ego, we don't want to get rid of all of it. Like mm -hmm. the ego of you want to wake up and feed your family is, is very good. Uh, the ego of you want to be healthy. You want to look good and feel good and play good and get paid good. Like that is good at the end of the day. If you didn't have an ego, we would have died off thousands 
of years ago because you wouldn't have run from the saber tooth tiger like you just would just get killed okay, i'll give in yeah yeah so the ego is such a such a fine line for people and i don't even necessarily think you have to take away the reward system we have to change the the system so that the reward is more internal than it is external it's more not me versus you but we and that's that's really where i try to build my business as a as a we thing not a me thing and i think if you if you look into cultures that are more community oriented people are happier and healthier versus we're siloing everyone off and we're basically having carrots given to them and giving them grades and it's just i don't think it's productive or conducive to evolving as a human race as like togetherness and i think a lot of it has to stem from if i ask the average person like do we even talk about ego in in regular school and in yeah, public school given, system um, in philosophy class you're given um a book and i think that's the extent to which you're exposed to the concept of ego which is also very specific but i like that you said we're siloing siloing people off um i'll add to that i think we are siloing people off with little artificial pipes that connect and then on some like surface level and it's like surface level interactions it's all about transactions in my opinion i don't mean to paint like a negative picture um it's not with everybody not in every instance but in a lot of instances and i i i often wonder you know i'm just talking freely as as always and just exploring this um I wonder if there's even benefit in being authentic and being kind of true to yourself because what if you being authentic or what if you being true to yourself is bad? Like you're not a good version of who you can be. What if being fake is how you become a better version of yourself? I just wonder that because I think, and and sorry to cut you off, but if if I continue let's say being myself or I justify my negative qualities and traits under the umbrella of I'm just being myself. I'm being authentic. If you don't understand it or if you don't like it, you don't understand it. You're not real. You're not authentic. Like when do we hold people accountable? I guess. I love uh, this in, question. In context. And I'm going to have a question for you. Do you think humans are born innately good or have innately evil tendencies? Or are we conditioned? I think I I understand what you're saying. You know, the childlike spirit is pure. But on some level, we have that instinct to survive. Yeah. I think that goes towards the negative side a little bit. So the reason I ask that is this is such a great topic, and I'm I'm happy you brought it up. Um, It happens in all of us. And I, there's a YouTube video. I don't know who, what her name is, but you need to watch it. And anybody listening, you need to watch it. It's called faking it until you become it. So earlier we we're talking about being somebody you have to, if you want to be an entrepreneur, be it right now. All it takes is solving a problem for somebody and then saying, will you give me a dollar for solving that problem for you? Boom. You're an entrepreneur. There you go. You want to be an engineer. Like I was showing Arsh prior to this. I literally engineered a little way to make my podcast studio work in my kitchen. Like you're an engineer. Boom. We're all engineers. We're all entrepreneurs. I think going into the ego, another 
bad habit we have is titling ourselves and giving ourselves these titles when we all have the skills to be a lot of the titles. We just don't view it that way because school didn't give us their certificate. So I think, can, and that's conditioning. They're conditioning you to think that you were in some subset or some silo when the reality is half the world could be engineers. And this is like, if a lot more people could be doctors, if they wanted to be doctors, like if you help your kid fix his cut, like technically, like you're serving that person in some capacity to help with their health and their wellness. Like we're not viewing things at a, at a level that we should be viewing them. And it, humanity isn't looking at humanity the way it should be looked at. And I think to answer your question a little bit where you're like, okay, you have people that have negative tendencies have been conditioned to have negative tendencies and they're using oh, I'm just being my authentic self as a scapegoat. But if I said the most authentic a person could be is the best version of themselves, then that kind of changes that. And the best version of yourself is one, never achievable. And then two, probably the best version of all of us is when we first come out because we're not conditioned in any way. Like even I'm conditioned in some ways. I'm conditioned to have the food that I enjoy having right now. If you don't give me that food, I'm like, and angry. I'm very hangry, right? Yeah. So we condition ourselves even when we're the people trying to decondition ourselves. And that in itself is a problem. So for me, I'm always just doing self-analysis of, who do I want to become and how do I just be that person right now and asking myself every single day that. And I think for that negative person who is using, Oh, I'm being authentic as a scapegoat at the end of the day, it's not going to serve them or the people around them. So I am a big believer. I'm an optimist. So if I thought through your question, the person that is having negative tendencies, but saying that they're authentic, I think they're just going to get, like shadow band as we would call it. And that might cause them, I hope would cause them to change their habits a little bit. Who knows? I think but that's kind of how I think about it. That's a good way to look at it. But I think on some level we reward that as a, as a society, um, especially mm. on Instagram, we reward certain traits and qualities that inherently aren't um, correct or, or, or valuable in my opinion. Um, and I've contributed to that in, throughout my life whether it's can you um, give a direct example yeah so whether it's flexing on instagram or promoting certain narratives for example i think if you add to the competitive hierarchy that we all seek to compete in on especially on social media in any way in my opinion that's incorrect and and you're kind of taking the easy way out easy route rather so i'll give an example um if i having my current brand or my podcast, if I start purchasing followers and if I start hiring photographers to take, you know, pictures of me in settings wearing expensive things that I don't truly, I can't truly afford or in front of a car that I don't really own, like stuff like that, flexing, just to create the perception that I'm somebody so that I can target a group of people that follow me and buy whatever I'm selling. I think that just is overall negative and i don't i'm not going against anybody that does that i'm not you know trying to uh, discredit anybody that does that i think they figured out a clever way to make money and they've understood human nature um to an extent but 
the only reason humans value that is because we continue to promote that. If we talk about it, in my opinion, or stop promoting that or start having conversations around the, the idea of flexing and the idea of, um, you know, X, Y, and Z. I mean, I see so much, I see so many things. I see girls being influenced by influencers or models that don't really look like that. And, and, and Facebook actually put out a study that um, young women are negatively influenced by influencers on, on Instagram that leads to depression, that leads to more time spent on Facebook and Instagram. They put that out. And, and this is like, we, we see this as reality. This is what we're doing to our kids. This is what we're doing to ourselves. And not many people want to talk about it, especially if they're participants. Because if you talk about it, people don't like you. And if they don't like you, you're not invited to the circles in which those conversations what, happen. What do you think the solution is? Because they're not going to get rid of social media. Because I've thought through this question. I don't think they'll get rid of social media, but I think with more transparency, you can, um, you can aim to get closer to reality. So I like how blockchain factors into this. This might get crazy. Um, I hope, you know, maybe it gets crazy. Let's see. So on blockchain, you can kind of see everything that happens, every transaction. You can track wallet addresses. You can see where the money came from. You can see where it went. If you can do the same if you can apply that to social media, you can see where the image came from, you can see what was done to that image, you can see exactly what was altered, Ooh. or <laughs> verify if the person owns the car that's behind them because it's verifiable on the blockchain, the same way you can verify if you own an NFT. And I think if you put that level of verification, um, now the argument from the other side, if I had to imagine, would be, well, that's an invasion of my privacy. I don't want, well, we don't have privacy in this day and age. But if we put it, and actually transparency is better beneficial for everybody. Now, I don't want to take this to left field. Um, we'll close out here shortly. But I just, I'm just curious to think, uh, hear what you think about that concept. So I actually have, I've been talking about this for, for a couple of years now. I feel like social media is going to turn into, I think crypto is going to merge with social media and you're going to be able to trade time. So I think really, we're looking at a space, if you're talking about blockchain and crypto, it's great, but what most people are using it for right now is not what it's meant to be used for. Like putting your money in Bitcoin and letting it sit there, like it's supposed to be used for something. It's supposed to solve right. a problem. And I think the problem it solves is like, okay, if my brand is growing and I have 50 people DM me, how do I understand who I should answer and who I shouldn't? I think crypto is going to go into that space and you're going to be able to say, Hey, I'll give you whatever coin to answer my message. And then it's going to start integrating and we're going to start. Have you ever seen the movie time with Justin Timberlake where they have different factions of, and like you basically have a, a watch on your, on your wrist that says how much time you have left. And if you don't wow. go to zero, you die. And the rich people have the most time. And then the non rich people don't have any time. And mm. it's an interesting look into kind of the future where, um, I think a lot more people are becoming aware, especially in the past two years of that, like time is precious and I should be doing something that I enjoy. And again, I'm a, I'm a, I'm an optimist. So I think like you have a lot of people on Instagram, but I'm a big, big into understanding each platform. And 
you're going to get what you're going to get out of each platform. So Instagram was predicated on, on what you said on flashy photos and, and stuff like that. Mm. But that's such a small percentage of the actual population. There's probably, there's probably more people without Wi-Fi right now than there are influencers that are, and people following what you're actually doing. Now it looks very much like a huge problem, right? But I would consider more so like the kids are going to school every day. That is like hundreds of millions of people and they're being conditioned. So if we really want to change the world, what are school kids being affected by when it comes to social media? And that's where you solve the problem. So for me, it's, it's social media, the kids that are 10 years old, it's not, adults are going to de- decondition and recondition themselves based on the feedback they get in, in the life, mm-hmm. right? So if you get into your thirties and you're still looking at Instagram and, and swiping and, and con- comparing yourself, you're not going to survive because you probably have kids and you probably have these other problems that you're worried about. But right. up to a certain point, we see that and we're going to be focused on that. And that's where we need to, really hit the nail hard is like art like there i guarantee is our public schools going in and saying or giving any advice on social media they probably don't even acknowledge it exists right they're like social media is bad like that's what they'll say just like drugs drugs are bad Mm. they don't give you any kind of like guidance like true real world guidance so these kids are getting they're like you're on your phone in class you're in detention right rather than how do we use the phone? Like phones are here forever. How do we have the kid learn on the phone if he can't pay attention, right? If he's on Instagram is one thing. If he's on YouTube learning math or learning something, like that's actually solving a problem for the kid. So I think it's all contextual, but one of the questions I would ask for you is, do you feel that way? Because in your world, that's what it seems like. But then you got to realize how big the world of seven plus billion people are and how many people are actually in that world through data. Um, but Here's another thing. You're, you're doing podcasts and this is completely sidebar. The, I read a stat that the number one most educated audience and following is people that listen to podcasts. So one of the reasons that I got into them is I didn't want to associate with the, the lamb, get a Lambo for a day, pretend like he's your Lambo. Like, that's just not my thing. This is my thing, mm-hmm. conversing and learning and, and inspiring other people to do the same thing. So you're on that path of doing that. I think it's a specific category though. Um, And I think, yeah, I believe you're right. But in this specific category of self-improvement and um, because entrepreneurship is a broad term and I see a Mm -hmm. lot of podcasters that kind of blend entrepreneurship and entertainment. Um, And I think the entertainment podcast world is still in alignment with the vanity, uh, uh, you know, all the metrics of vanity, whether it's the Lambo or, or watches or chains. And again, I'll say it again. I have nothing against that. I like nice things as well. Um, but I, I don't fall victim to that loop. In terms of the population, I really truly believe majority of it, uh, humans are being influenced negatively and are subject to being influenced negatively. Those people, you know, however many billions of people that don't have Wi-Fi or a phone, whenever they do get access to it, because I, I kind of studied this market um, the smartphone market in, 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 in Asian countries. And I realized there are a few cycles behind there. Are, you know, there's obviously growth there in that, in that sector. But as soon as they get phones, they follow the same patterns of behavior. They also get on Instagram. 
they start recreating the same trends. They're a little bit behind on trends, but they still fall victims to whatever is being promoted. So, I don't want to cut you off, but a question I immediately have is, are these trends just natural human tendencies that now have a voice? It's something that Gary Vee always asks because we haven't changed as humans. Like we're actually substantially better off. Like people aren't cutting their heads off for water. And I mean, true, um, true. this is a privileged response, right? But the majority, like we have been, we're in a time where more people have clean water, more people have access to food, more people have more than ever, than ever in the state of the entire globe, more people have more. Yet, because now we now we're able to see it, it it feels like this crazy thing. But I mean, again, a thousand plus years ago, people like insert like arguments were literally guys suiting up with armor on and killing each other. So you have to like take a look back and be like, what is better? These people arguing on social media and like conditioning themselves. None of them are great. I'll, I'll give you that. But I'm. I'm a, a future thinker and just like mm-hmm. the human progress and evolution, we're not going to get rid of our natural tendencies. We have this new software, but the same old hardware, the right, hardware see, wants to fight each other. Um, see, that was external death. This is internal death. Yeah. And it's the, Ooh, same, that is such it's a, the same concept. Um, I think we can prevent this though, you know, like we can prevent this through information and, um, I'm curious to see how the metaverse factors into this. I think what well, we spoke about, you know, giving the kids the opportunity to learn through whatever medium that they prefer. If, if, if and I really, I mean, I'm, I can't speak with certainty in this regard, but I think as we ease into the metaverse, as Facebook creates whatever product they're working on, or as Minecraft or Unreal Engine that owns Fortnite, um, that owns Epic Games that made Fortnite, when they create the metaverse and allow us to be inside of it and do whatever we want, live in whatever world we want, we're, you know, in the VR uh, context, I think it'll be interesting to see how humans adapt and the level of freedom that they can have living inside of the internet. I think that'll be interesting. That's crazy. But it's, I mean, it's here and that's, it, it will be interesting and one of the questions that I'm going to leave here with today, I mean, you just said it, external death versus internal death. That has my mind reeling. It's how, how do I be on the good side of that? That's when you, when we, when we reflect back and you ask about being authentic and whether it was good or bad, right? That was a great question. Most people don't come at it that way. It's like being authentic, bad for, for you personally, like for you to get better at life is being authentic bad. Mm-hmm. And this is where I wrap up my thought to that, where you're talking about internal death versus external death. As long as I'm on the good side and I'm, I'm doing my best to be on the good side of each of those and helping people not have either of those, I feel like I can be my authentic self and it not have a negative impact. Because again, we're talking about money is contextual, it's paper. As long as my needs are met, um, then the authentic self is the most important priority to me. And I think that is something that I want to educate others on and looking at. And even from this conversation, if you're listening to this, the way that Arsh is articulating kind of the opposite of questions, doing that with yourself, 50% of what I believe right now is false, but I think it's true. And then 50 
percent of the things I think are false are actually true. And I don't really know, like this world is, is that big and is that undiagnosed as I would say. Um, well so I, I really like this conversation. Same here. I appreciate having you on. Um, please let everybody know where they can find you, where they can find the podcast and anything else. Yeah. The best way to find me is as I was talking about crypto and, and Instagram and social media, uh, is probably Instagram at CJ dot Finley. Uh, that is a non-branded account. It's just me personally. So that's the one I drive everybody to Would love to chat and connect with you there. If you have any questions on entrepreneurship, transferring out of your corporate job, health and wellness, I'm really big into meditation, reading, running, working out all the, all the things that will make you a happier and healthier human being. And then the last thing I have to say is if there's one thing that you take away from this conversation, it's that we can be better together and that you can learn from anybody.